What's up, everybody? It is David and Isaac. Draft season continues here at Ethos Grizzlies. We took a few days off, had to recover from the blasphemy that is Will Harris talking about Maker Maker <laughs> on the show. Still reeling from that. Nah, love Will. Appreciate him. I, I know some of that was just him stirring the pot. Some of uh, like. Will has some interesting takes from time to time, but I think the majority of that was uh, was stirring the pot from him. Uh, we'll definitely have him back on later on, but we're going to keep rolling. We're going to keep the ball rolling. Just a lot of prospects to try and cover and a limited amount of time. We are on the fifth day of June. The draft is 18 days away, so we're going to try and crank out as much coverage as we can and get you at least get the names out there so you've at least heard of some of these guys and if you want to go back and listen to the show after the fact to see what we thought about them that would be good as well there have been a lot of a lot of rumors swirling a lot of stuff going on before we jump into the four that we got tonight Isaac do you want to address any of that stuff Dylan Brooks cleared off He, he stopped following everybody on Instagram saw some Grizz Grizz fans kind of freaking out a little bit about that um is it something is it nothing like to me yeah like okay i, I don't know what you're gonna get from it but it's something right like it's, it's got to be something but i the, the whole situation is interesting man we go back to the the day of the the end of the season presses uh the exit interviews and we know the situation that happened there like everybody all the rotation players end up doing it and that thought was that Dylan didn't know that it was happening and end up leaving before the PR people could grab him. I mean, I have my thoughts on that. We've all kind of touched on that. I think there is something there. I think to blow that off is nothing. I think that's kind of crazy to think that there's nothing going on there because I mean, all they have his cell phone number. All they have to do is call him to come back. I mean, that's an important PR thing for the team and for the franchise. I mean, you know, the season interviews, I mean, you want, especially a guy that's supposed to be the heart and soul of the team in, in Dylan Brooks, major, major piece for that team, not to be there for that. Just kind of kind of head-scratching and weird. I, I definitely think there's more to it than meets the eye there. Um, with this, I, I don't know what to think about it uh, because it's, it's not it, – it would be different if he just kind of unfollowed the Grizzlies players, but it seems like he just kind of shut it down. Like he unfollowed everybody, changed his profile picture. I think he might have been in a, in a Grizzlies uniform or, or in, in action in, in a picture, and he just changed it to just a regular photo of him. So I I don't know what to make of that, uh, but I, like I said, I when when I go back to that that end of the season press conference, they had meetings with Zach Kleiman, and I just I feel like something happened in that meeting where they didn't see eye to eye, and that's kind of what what happened there. That's my theory on it, but who knows? Uh, like I said, man, Dylan is a big important piece for this team, and I've kind of gotten this bad rep of a guy who wants to move him. I've been a Dylan defender, like. Here, here in the years past where everybody was rushing him out the door, man, I was one of the guys that said, man, this guy's a really important piece of this team. You move him, that changes things. But my thoughts are just team building wise and, and, and looking forward. Uh, I just, I have an idea and I could be wrong that they're not going to pay him what his market value is going to be on open market next summer, especially with what they got coming down with Ja, uh, Jared, you're going to have Desmond Baines extension coming up uh, after that. Um, you just kind of looking fiscally, it, it just, I don't know if it makes any sense to have another guy that you got on the books for 18 to 20 million. I mean, that's going to get tough. Especially, man, you got Brandon Clark as well. Another guy, if you bring Tyus back, he's going to be on the books. There's just a lot of money. Uh, and it just seems like he could be the odd man out. And if you 
feel like that's the case. I feel like if you can get something viable for you, uh, something that doesn't absolutely kill you going to this next year, but something that could potentially help you down the line, like if you could get up into the lottery, that could be a piece that you add with uh, Josh Aaron and Bain that could be a big-time piece for you long-term. And if Dylan's not going to be here long-term, I feel like that's a move that you should make. A lot of people disagree with me, and I understand that, but that's just kind of where I am on it. And it's been kind of a weird offseason with those two events happening, man. We're going to see see how it plays out. I think if he doesn't get moved during the draft, I think there's a good chance that he's probably on the roster opening night. Yeah, you know, we don't do a whole lot of promoting uh, of Nathan Chester on the show just because Nathan <laughs> is – He's just weird. Like he has some, I, I won't say that he is weird. I don't know Nathan on a personal level enough to say that he is weird. So Nathan, if you happen to listen to the show, I apologize. That's not like he has some weird stances on stuff, but he wrote an article that just released earlier in the week. Um, yeah. And it was talking about Dylan Brooks and, and what happens, what the Grizzlies look like if they trade him. So he had a lot of great points in there. But at the end of the day, you, you can't get attached. Dylan Brooks may may or may not be a core piece for this team, but you can argue that he's just a role player. I, I don't think in the best version of this team, I don't think that Dylan Brooks is a core piece. And so to me, it, it is very smart for this team to try and find value out of moving him when his value is at the highest. And you know, he, he kind of struggled a little bit in the playoffs. You can argue that maybe, you know, coming out of that Utah series that his value would have been higher then. Yeah. But you can't afford to let a guy like this walk away for nothing. Maybe that's what happens. We'll see. Maybe he signs a team-friendly deal because he wants to be a part of this because of the relationship. But at the end of the day, that's not going to happen with everybody. You know, we talk about players signing team-friendly deals because they want to be a part of something great. But eventually, these guys are going to want to get paid. Zach Kleiman has made it clear that the the money that generally like um, handicaps small market teams was not going to be an issue. It seems like he got some sort of go ahead from ownership that you know they they would be willing to spend the money if that's what they felt they needed to do. We will only see like it like it's it's, it's pure speculation. There's not been there's no interviews. There's nothing concrete from the Grizzlies saying that they're going to go one way or the other. But if you're a Grizzlies fan outside of Ja and Jaron, I don't think you can get too attached to any of these guys. This front office has been very methodical. They've been very, very strategical about moves that they made, pieces that they moved, guys that they want. They've been very good about going out and getting those guys and so if they evaluate the talent on this team and they don't think that this guy is going to be a part of the team, they're going to get moved. And it's clear that Ja is a superstar. And I think that from what we saw, like what Jaron was able to do, you know, he, he was healthy for the majority of the year. Um, I mean, well, he ended up playing like 78 games or something like that, didn't yeah. he? Played in, and I, in, I think I think even the games he missed that they – well, quote injury. I think they were more rest cautionary. We're resting yeah. guys. Yeah, it wasn't a real injury, and that's <clears throat> crazy, man. Because who would have thought that going into the season with his history, man? For him to be the healthiest player on the team, I think if you had took me to Vegas on on on, on opening day and told me that, man, I wouldn't have wouldn't have had my money on that. Um, and so I think that's amazing. I think 
I think he proved, even though he, especially in the Timberwolves series, he was inconsistent in that series. But I think as the playoffs wore on, he proved that he's a guy that can perform on that stage. Uh, I think there were still some questions about that going into the playoffs, but I think he proved it in a big way because, I mean, he had some big-time games that uh, the closeout game in, in Minnesota, I mean, uh, against Minnesota, he played really well in that game, had a big-time game, if I remember correctly, and that had some big games against Golden State. Uh, so he proved to me that he's a guy that I feel like when you get into the semifinals, you know, Western Conference finals, you make it to the finals, he's a guy that you can depend on to, that can put up big-time numbers for you. Um, I, I think he proved that enough in these playoffs to, to make you feel pretty good about that. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, I say just John Jaron, that this is not me wanting to see any, you know, like I understand. I know people going to say Desmond Bain. From, 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 that's what people are going to say from listening to this right yeah, now. And <laughs> Yeah. So like, and I get that. I understand supporting your team, but there have been a number of different, you know, whether it was, um, you know, like Bleacher Report has put stuff out. There's yeah. always sites that kind of drop mock trades as the Grizzlies give up this and this is what they get in return. And I've seen just like some pure madness whenever Man. it comes to that. <laughs> and some of it is, is ignorance in the fact that some people are only Grizzlies fans and they only watch Grizzlies games. Yeah. And if clear. that's it, like if that's you that's perfectly fine. You you can be a fan however you want to be a fan. We're not here to police that or anything like that. But you've got to prepare yourself that outside of a couple pieces on this team, nobody's untouchable. And that, you know, Desmond Bain may creep into that. He may be one of three that, that is untouchable. But I, I think if the right deal comes along, that that is not the case. And so – you know, again, I'm not campaigning for them to move Desmond Bain or not. Camp this is not a campaign to move a certain player, but I don't believe for one second that this front office is going to miss out on the opportunity to go out and get some sort of value in return rather than just letting a player like Dylan Brooks walk. Yeah, and I've seen some some fans. I mean, like you said, I mean, you could be a fan however you choose to be a fan. I'm not here to tell you how you should be a fan, but I've seen some fans kind of take that notion from Zach Kleiman that they're not going to operate like a small market. If they want to keep guys, they're going to pay them, and this money's not going to be an object. And I've seen some people kind of take that as meaning this whole team's going to stay together. Like they're they're not going to make any moves uh, because because they said they can they they don't have to get rid of these, these guys if they don't want to. But I think what you need to take out of that is what he means is they're going to pay the guys that they want to pay. That doesn't necessarily mean that everybody that's on this team is going to be here forever. Like when you mentioned possibly, hypothetically, Dylan Brooks being moved, you'll have a lot of people push back. Well, Zach Kleiman said that they can pay anybody. So your theory of they're not going to pay him at the end of next year, that's not true. Which, I mean, that's not the case because if he's on the market 18, 20 million and they decide that they don't want to pay him that, they're not going to pay him that. Just because you can pay something don't mean that you're necessarily going to. And I think that's what a lot of people – need to take out of that but I mean it's going to be it's going to be interesting I, I just think and back to your point and I talk about this a lot on Twitter I think a lot of fans and I guess it goes into the word fanatic use their emotional attachment to players to kind of assess value like you'll be you could throw out some wild stuff like it could be I, I guarantee you and I know this sounds crazy it could I could just say Jason Tatum was on the table you could mm -hmm. go on Twitter right now and say 
Grizzlies could get Jason Tatum for Dylan Brooks and those two first-round picks, 22 and 29. I guarantee you in your replies, you're going to get – you're crazy. Why would you give up a, a, a starter in Dylan Brooks and two first-round picks to get one player? Like, I mean, and that's the kind of stuff that you get. I mean, it, it, it's crazy stuff, but, I mean, it, it's just – I guess it all goes back to how people view the game, and, and a lot of people are super attached to all these guys on the team, and so am I. I get it. I get that you love Dylan Brooks. I love Dylan Brooks as well, but I just understand that this is a business. Things are going to change. Teams evolve, and that's just just what happens. And, and this this group of guys, as great as it's been, the chemistry is awesome. Like chemistry that I don't know if I've ever seen on a team. All of that is, is fantastic. But at some point, some of these guys are going to going to go in and out, and that's just how how the business of the NBA works. Yeah, you still have to just because ownership is willing to put the money out if you want to pay somebody. You still have to be smart about it. You still yeah. have to construct your roster properly. And, and who knows, you know, maybe Dylan Brooks stays and we see internal growth from the Grizzlies and they're able to get to that level next season without making any kind of big roster moves. But if I had to bet on it, I would say that's not going to be the case. Not saying that Dylan's going to be the one that is moved, but I think that it's extremely unlikely that you see this same roster coming back into next season. Obviously, you got some guys that are going to walk in free agency, but you know the the rotation guys I think are going to look different next year, not just one through fifteen. Yeah, because I mean, if you kind of read the, the tea leaves of Zach Climate and at the end of the season presser, you can just kind of read that they plan on doing something. Like I don't think they're just going to stay pat and run it back because I mean, again, and I, and I've said this, maybe if they do run it completely back, all these guys are back. You even resign ties and bring Kyle back um, on, on possibly a short-term deal. Or I think there's been some people that hinted at maybe, which I, I think it would be more likely for Kyle to do this than Tyus, but maybe take a one-year deal and overpay him for one year to, to kind of keep him here. Um, I think Kyle would definitely be down for something like that. I think Tyus could go out and get years. Um, I don't think Kyle kind of has that same kind of leverage. So I think if you offered that to Kyle, I think for sure he would come back. Uh, but maybe they run it back and maybe this team is good enough with internal growth, with, with Zaire Williams and, and John taking another step and Jaron continuing to work on his consistency, maybe they won a title next year. And, and that's fantastic. But, I mean, you look at the landscape of the West, it's going to be better next year. I think there's any question about it. Denver's going to have their guys back. The Clippers are going to have Kawhi and Paul George. Um, I mean, the New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans looks like Zion. It's going to be back. And they, they've added C.J. McCollum. They already looked a lot better at the end of the season after that trade. Uh, so it's going to be tough. It's not going to not going to be easy. Not and they're, they're going to add another another good piece. They've got yeah. a pick number eight in the in the draft. So yeah, you know that they can add a, another top cat. You know, a top notch caliber player in this draft. The two lottery picks. Yeah. So so you know the the, the West is definitely going to be tougher. We wanted to kind of get that in in the beginning of the show. We'll move into the draft stuff now, but it, it's. There's not, it's not a given. The Grizzlies were, you can say, a Ja Morant injury away, a Ja Morant layup. You know, if Ja plays game four, they close that game. There's so many ifs whenever you talk about ending this season, moving into the next, but there's no guarantee that things are going to fall the way that they, they do. You know, the Grizzlies may not have the second best record and may not have that home court advantage in a playoff series, and that could make a difference. So, We'll see what happens with the roster. Either way, I have faith in this front office. But we're going to jump into these draft prospects today. We got uh, got four of them. 
Isaac, I will let you start off with whichever guy you want, man. We're, we're going to do four, and then we're going to have another show coming out with four more tomorrow. So we're going to load you up here with eight of them back-to-back. Yeah, man, let's do it, man. Let's start off with uh, Max Christie, 6'6", 189-pound uh, freshman shooting guard out of Michigan State, 19 years old, uh, 6'9", wingspan, man. You look at the numbers. Numbers don't really jump out on you. Uh, I mean, he had big-time expectations going into Michigan State coming out of high school. Uh, but you look at the numbers, 9.3 points, 3.5 rebounds, 1.5 assists, uh, 38.2% from the field uh, overall. That's not a good number. Uh, 82.4% from the free throw line, 31.7% from three, uh, 1.1 makes on 3.5 attempts per game, 39 of 123 overall. So you got to look, look at those numbers and the efficiency wasn't really there. Uh, but I mean, we've talked about this extensively here on our draft coverage that you can't always look at those numbers and, and, and take them as face value because I definitely think Max Christie is a better, better shooter uh, than those numbers indicate. But with Max, uh, I mean, you look at those numbers, and again, man, it's a lot about potential with him. Uh, I think he projects as a really good spot-up shooter. Uh, shot the three-ball really well in high school, but like I said, only 31.7% his one year uh, with the Spartans, but certainly nothing wrong with his form. I mean, I, I like the release on his shot, uh, really high release. Uh, does a fantastic job to get to his spots in transition. He kind of reminds you of the Golden State guys when you see Steph and Clay and Jordan Poole out there. I mean, he's always moving around the perimeter, just kind of the way he – Runs the spots um, in, in, in transition. Kind of reminds you of those guys, the way they spot up. Uh, shoots it well coming off screens, man. Moves moves really well without the basketball. Uh, defensively, man, some some three and D potential uh, with Christie. He has long arms, uh, really uses his, uh, his length to defensively move well uh, laterally to, to keep his guy in front of him. Guards really well in space, man. I was kind of surprised because I've watched him some uh, during, during the year, um, and I didn't feel like he was as good as the defender as I saw on film. Uh, when, when, when his man uh, drives on him, he'll, he'll wall up uh, at the end to protect a lot of those drives and finishes. Uh, he does a really good job of that. Defends without foul and stays vertical. A uh, really good one-on-one defender uh, for a guy that came to Michigan State with the, the reputation of being a, a scorer. Like I said, man, I was impressed uh, watching him defensively. Uh, he has more defensive potential than I thought. I think watching the film, I think I might even be more impressed of what I saw on the defensive end and even on the offensive end. Uh, play with playmaking wise, I think he has some upside there as well. Uh, we talk so much about uh, this Grizzlies team and floaters. Um, he does have this unique kind of two foot floater that he goes to that he's had he had a lot of success with. You'll see that on film, man. Went to that a lot. I think if you look at areas he needs to improve, uh, has to get better at finishing at the rim. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with just him being a little bit slight, man. Six six one eighty nine. Uh, he's to put on a little bit more weight, but. Uh, only only con- converted at a 40.9% clip at the basket, man. That's that's not good. But, again, it, I think that's a lot has to do with, with strength. I um, mean, he doesn't get to the rim a lot, period. I mean, 76% of his field goal attempts were on jump shots. So that's something that he's definitely going to have to get into the NBA, get on the weight program, get stronger. But I think he has a frame uh, that he could put on some weight. Um, I think he could carry some more weight and strength. So I don't think that'll be any issue. Um, and for good as a shooter as he is, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, only only shot again 31.7% from three. So consistency is, is something that he needs to get on his jump shot. But I, I think it just kind of surprises me that that number is that low because you watch his shot. I mean, I, it, it looks good, man. I think he projects as a guy that could could be a three. Uh, well, like I said, a two level scorer right now because he does a really good job catching shooting mid range and can knock can knock down a three and moves really well without the ball. Got to work on finishing at the rim, man. But I I like him a lot, man. I think he's a guy that has potential on both ends. I mean, if he gets stronger, 
Um, I, I think that'll even help him defensively as well. I mean, I, I like him as a prospect, and he's a guy that's kind of rising up boards. He was both the in the second round, but now you see him kind of creeping up into the bottom of the first round in box. And, man, if he's there at 29, man, I wouldn't wouldn't be upset if the Grizzlies took him at all. I mean, I think he's a guy that projects. He's probably not a guy that jumps into the rotation next year. You'll probably see him in South Haven. But I, I love his, his scoring potential and his potential defensively on the ball, man. I mean, I, I saw some good stuff on film from him. Yeah, I really like his point of attack defense. He, he has that, yeah. you know, the, the plus wings fan to be very disruptive as a point of attack defender. You mentioned him staying vertical, and I think that's what's key. When he does get kind of beat off of the dribble, he's able to recover laterally recover, yeah. and, and not commit those fouls. Um, I, I'm not concerned at all with the shooting percentages at Michigan State. I his form is crisp, man. His release is smooth. There's not a lot of wasted movement in it. We, we've talked about a number of different guys already in this draft class, and I would say that his form is probably the, the, the purest out of anybody that we've covered so far, and we got another guy that we're going to talk about tonight that, that's probably right there with him. But, um, you know, I had uh, good form, quick release, no wasted movement. Uh, worried about consistency, obviously, a little bit with that 31% at Michigan State. Uh, I like his ability coming off of the screens, moving. He doesn't have to be square when he jumps. He's able to adjust his body and get his shoulder square when he gets in the air, and that's going to create separation for him coming off of those screens. I, I really like his ability to do that. Sometimes you see guys kind of like fade with their jump, and, and yeah. he, is, he is able to plant that foot and go up and kind of square and – Really, really like that from him. We, we talking about Dylan Brooks earlier in the show and, and how he is the Grizzlies' best point of attack defender. If they are moving on from him, you're looking at guys that may or may not be replacing him. And with, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and a 6'8-plus wingspan from Max Christie, he, he's a guy that could definitely develop into that. Um, but I, I don't know that I'm – all that concerned about his ability to finish at the rim. I know that that's something that you like to see a little bit better, but there are plenty of guys in the league that I think have success without ever really being able to get to the rim all that well. I think yeah, Clay, Clay's a guy like Clay's a guy yeah, like that that doesn't like, finish at the rim a lot. As he as he has progressed throughout his career, he has gotten better at taking guys off of the bounce. But but he's primarily a jump shooter. I don't have his yeah. stats up to look and see. Well, like what they are as far as like his jump shot to as far as getting the difference between the two, but he's a guy that doesn't finish at the rim a lot. And so, you know, Christie has got, you know, that, that smooth stroke, the catch and shoot, his catch and shoot ability is fantastic. You see plenty of film of him knocking down threes out of the corner in a catch and shoot situation. So I like that. Um, just, just a guy I feel like would pair really well with Jai. He's going to be able to play off the ball and move and, and run around and, and create space for himself. So, excuse me, um, I, I, I like him. I didn't know a whole lot about him before, you know, Isaac mentioned that this is a guy that he wanted to cover. And I, I saw an interview from him at the combine and they were asking him if he was going to stay in. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay in. I'm confident in my ability and it's going to carry me into the next level. And I'm going to be productive at the next level. Paraphrasing, he didn't say that exactly, but I like the confidence from him. And then after going in and watching film on him and watching him on the defensive end, because that's one of the biggest things for me, whenever I'm watching a guy, if they're not at least a serviceable defender at the college level, 
I worry about what they're going to be yeah. able to do at the NBA level. And, and that is something serviceable is not a term that I would use to, uh, to, you know, describe Max Christie. I, I think that you could already say that I wouldn't say elite at this point, but he's a good defender, whether it's help defender or point of attack defender, he can do either one. Yeah, and I'm breaking news here. Like, this this is off topic, but uh, Utah Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder is stepping down. That just came across across the wire, so uh, breaking that news here. But back back to Mac, Max Christie. Uh, one thing that I forgot to mention is the defensive versatility. Like, I think he has the potential to guard the one, two, and three. I mean, you talk about that length. Uh, and, and there were times where I, I saw him switched on the point guards, and he did a really good job against them. And, and, that, and that's what you want in today's NBA, man. You need that switchability and guys that can – can guard the one, two, three, and, and shoot the way he can. I mean, that's man. I mean, I like I said, man. I was surprised. Like I've watched a little bit of him throughout the year, watching some Michigan State games, and I didn't know he was this good of a player, man. I know he can shoot the basketball, but I was really, really impressed at what he does on the defensive end and how far along he is there. Um, and, and again, man, I just think he can continue to get stronger, man. But I think he could be an excellent three and D player, and, and definitely, I think he's definitely an NBA rotation player. And I'm. Again, man, I, I think I can see why he's moving up draft boards. I think he has some good stuff at the combine, and, that, and that's kind of what you're seeing there. But he's creeping up to the bottom of that first round. So, man, you're sitting there at 29, man. He's there, man. He would definitely be on, on the list of guys that I would look at for the Grizzlies. I think he'd be a great fit. So you're just going to jump right back into the draft prospect and not even just glaze over the fact that Quinn Snyder is stepping hey, down. Man, this is, hey, man, this is, a, this is Ethos Grizzlies, man. We it, it is, it is. But, I mean, that that's that's big news. You know, a lot of it teams. It is big news. Yeah, it is A lot big of news, teams sure. have filled coaching vacancies. To my knowledge, the Charlotte Hornets have not announced a replacement for Borrego. Is that correct? No, they, they have not. So – I don't know what's going to happen. I like uh, Quinn Schneider as a coach. Um, that The situation in Utah, I think it's time for a change out there. Sometimes, you know, it, it's kind of like the Dallas thing, you know. Yeah, I was just about uh, to say that. Rick Carlisle, Rick Carlisle brought a championship to Dallas, but he was not the right coach for that team, so they move on from him. I, I think Utah is doing the same thing. Um, still going to be keeping an eye out on that as far as what they do – retooling rebuilding do they move mitchell or gobert or mitchell and gobert um is it the peripheral pieces do you see mike conley or um bogdanovich on the move like what happens i, I think this is going to be kind of an opening of the floodgates for what's to come in the offseason for the utah jazz and and we haven't really there, there's not been any big trades or anything like that up until which when can they announce it I don't know about the deadlines on that stuff, man. When can they, when when can they announce trades? Is that after the the finals finishes up? Yeah, I'm not sure what the official date is. Like they announce trades, but I don't think if they're involved in the draft, they can't be official. I think obviously until after the draft. I think maybe when around what time when free agency starts, like July 1st. I think you can put the parameters out, but I don't think they're official uh, until gotcha. that time. But uh, yeah. I mean, when you look at that Utah. I saw a report from one of their beat writers that kind of mentioned, and this is kind of a weird reason to kind of hang on to guys, but the all-star game is going to be in Salt Lake city at Vivid arena uh, next season. And they said their owner is kind of now hesitant to, to talk about moving Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, because he wants to have two superstar players. there, possibly both on the all-star team to kind of represent Salt Lake city and the jazz when they're there. And that it's more likely that guys like Mike Conley, uh, Bogdanovich, as you mentioned, Royce O'Neal, 
are kind of the guys that they're going to be looking to move. So that's interesting. And I don't know how this coaching situation uh, kind of changes things. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, they have a lot of questions uh, out there with the Utah Jazz team, but I think it was time to for a shakeup. Um, as you said, sometimes it just gets gets stale uh, with with guys and coaches. Sometimes things run their course, and I think that's what happened there. But I think they need to move one of those guys. I just think the relationship is not there uh, for, for those guys. And I think I don't think they're going to be able to have success as the way they, they want to with the, the way that team is currently built. Yeah, and there there was a report that came out that Gobert was going to, you know, give them, hey, you know, you need to move one of us. Yeah, yeah. And, and so if that was, in fact, he denied the case, it, but <laughs> yeah, it's – Man, I, I don't know. Like that can get real ugly. Like if you keep them two together, like what can that end up doing to your team? What can it do to the chemistry of the locker room? Because people are gonna pick sides, you know. So somebody, some are gonna be on Gobert's side, some are gonna be on Mitchell's side, and yeah, that that just sounds like uh, an accident waiting to happen out there. But we'll, we'll jump back into the draft prospect. But that that's big news. Gonna be interesting to see if Schneider takes the year off and then comes back next season, or if he goes in to an assistant role on somebody's staff, or, you know, moves into another head coaching job, something, you know, with that, that young team out in uh, in Charlotte, I think he's a guy that, that could do a pretty oh, good job 100%. there. 100%. I team, think, so. yeah, if, if they could get him, I don't think there's any question that they take him, because I think he's a really good coach. I've always, going in press conferences, uh, when Grizz Grizzlies were playing Utah in a series, I mean, listening to him, I mean, you could just tell, how smart he is. I mean, the way he breaks down the game. I mean, he talks really eloquently. He understands the the matchups on the other team and that way he breaks down the players on the other team. Man, he's a really, really good coach, really well prepared and runs good stuff, man. So any team I think would be lucky to have him. So it'd definitely be interesting to see if he sits out a year or he wants to jump right back in, man. I mean, because I think I think with his credentials, I think I don't think he'll have any problem getting a job if that's what he wants to do. Yeah, no doubt. There tons of staffs that could benefit from having him on the bench. Uh, and, you know, again, uh, if he wants a head coaching job, he definitely deserves. I'm not a, uh, a massive fan of the retread of guys that have, you know, you hear Mike D'Antoni's name. I, I hate that. Like, I, I don't understand how he continues to come up every year when there's an opening. You always, at some point, you're going to hear Mike D'Antoni. I'm like, how many chances is this guy going to get? Like, I counted, I think it was like seven different teams. That he's that he's coached. I, I looked at it one time, and somebody asked me like, how many, how many teams he won? How many and teams he, he coached? Had, how many championships does he want? Power. He's had. I know, the and it has won a championship. championship. <laughs> His style of basketball does not translate in the postseason. He's got a great. If you want a regular season coach, he's phenomenal. He will get you wins in the regular season, but he just cannot seem to do it in the postseason. You you can you know point to a number of different things as to why that is the case. But defense yeah, you know like you, you you just you can't run your guys that much and expect them to hold up over the course of the year I think that's really what it comes down to but we'll jump back into the prospects here after we get derailed a little bit did you have anything else on Max Christie before we moved on no man I just think uh, again man a guy projected now probably late first I think I think he ends up in the first round man and again I think somebody's going to get a really good player again I don't know if he's a player for the, that would step in for the Grizzlies. I think there are a couple guys that, that we've kind of talked about uh, that could be there at 22 or 29 that might be able to crack the rotation depending on what happens, especially with Tyus and uh, Kyle Ederson that could crack the rotation 
uh, if they were drafted by the Grizzlies. Max might be a guy that you could that's going to spend some time down in the G League. But again, man, I think he projects as a really good player on both ends, man. I, I really like him. And he's a player that I like a lot more now that I've watched the film than I liked before. Yeah, same for me. Like I said, I didn't know a ton about him until I started digging in and watching film. So, you know, it, it was it was good. Supposedly, for me. A high, high, supposedly a high character guy, too, from, from what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, th- this front office seems to like that, value that quite a bit. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. The next guy we're going to go to, Yannick Sosa. He is a six foot eleven big from the Republic of Congo. And I like you guys may give me a little crap on this one because if you <laughs> if you go down the boards, like he's not even listed on Tankathon. And I'm yeah, he's to- on there. He's on there. He's at I think fifty four. Yeah, I want to say. Yeah, he's on there. He's right there before the forfeited picks. Uh, oh yeah, forty nine. I'm sorry, I overlooked. Yeah, that. I knew he was on there somewhere. Yeah. He's he's way down the board. I gotta tell you why I like this guy so much. He 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 just started playing the game five years ago. Yeah, extremely raw that, yeah. prospect. So th- there are a lot of things. If you watch film on him, you're gonna see some holes in this game. You're gonna see some things. You're like, why are you even talking about him? Now, I'm talking about him because of his motor. He is every bit of film that I watched on him whenever I started I, I found him you know d- just kind of scrolling through I don't even remember if I saw him I look at so many different big boards I don't remember where I saw his name first but I just clicked on him because he was a big I'm like oh let, let's see what's up with him and so I start watching film and uh, Raphael Barlow uh, he's, he's been on the show with us he was on last year he had initially projected he's like I think that Sosa has first round talent and I don't disagree with that. I don't think that he's going to make it into the first round. I don't think they're going to draft him in the first round. But you look at his size, his athleticism, and his ability to do things that he's doing right now, having only been playing the game for five years, he's well, he's going to be, I think, 19, 20 on draft day. Well, let's see. I can pull it up here. Uh, he's, he's only 18. He actually just turned 18, I think. He'll oh, be yeah. 18 so he, he won't on draft day. Yeah. yeah, won't he be yeah. 19 Super young. On, on draft day? So he, he is he's a guy he can score in the post. He's athletic, super strong finisher at the rim. Again, I mentioned his motor. It, he's always – it seems like he's always on 10. Always on 10. He's an elite shot blocker. You have to question, is he going to have any type of playmaking upside? That's something that I think comes with time. You get him in the right situation, the right coaching situation, where you can teach him the game. I think that that will come around for him. He can't really uh, face up right now. He has no type of face-up game, and he needs to add some weight. But, I man, I absolutely – loved like when, when OKC was you know that they had that team together with Russ and Katie and, and all of that and they decided to pay Serge Ibaka I love Serge Ibaka's game back then he, he was one of he was a guy that I just I absolutely love and I, I think that Sosa is is very very similar in in that for like I think that the body type, the ability to block shots, the things that he brings to the game. I think that he could be a Serge Ibaka type player. Yeah, man. I love some things that I saw from him on film. Like you said, super, super raw, super young, only been playing basketball for about four or five years. And I think if you see some of the things he does and you put that in perspective, 
that shows you why why you'd like him. Uh, but I mean, Seth's really good screen. Uh, he really, really finishes well at the rim out of the pick and roll. Uh, high energy, like you said, man. High motor bounce. Uh, just athlete. I mean, I, I think that's what you. That's what I wrote down on here, man. I mean, you can just see that on film. Just jumps off, man. Open floor runs like a gazelle, man. I saw some times where he actually took the ball off the rim and pushed the ball up the floor. Uh, yeah. And you again, you don't see many seven footers that can that can do that, man. So I like that. Uh, uh, big time rim protection potential. Uh, uses incredible length to to block shots. He obviously needs to get stronger at six ten, six eleven. 195 pounds, but I mean, I think he's a prospect. You see, down at the draft, Grizzlies uh, have that pick sitting down there at 47. Man, if you want to take a guy with high upside, I think th- th- this guy is one that you could take that could could really pay off for you um, in, in the long run. I mean, like again, man, super super raw. I mean, you look at his numbers. I mean, not much to play because he barely only played. I mean, he only played 10.4 minutes per game. Um, and you kind of talk about these young guys in Europe. A lot of times, they don't get the minutes. The older guys. And Europe get the minutes, and these young guys, even though they're super talented, they just don't play them. I um, mean, you see a lot of these guys get drafted, especially the ones in the second round. And you look at the numbers, and you don't haven't watched them. You like scratching your head, like why are these guys even going to the NBA? Like you said at the top, right there, like some people might might clown you, clown you for this when looking at his numbers. But you have to dig deeper than that, man. When you watch the tape, you just see a lot of a lot of things on on tape that that you really like for a for a kid this young, uh, for that defensive potential. Um, and, and again, man, I think he finishes. Finishes at the rim well. Um, I think he's going to be really good in, in the pick and roll. And you just like the energy, the motor. I mean, I, I just like what I what I see, man. And if you're taking a project big, again, man, send him down to South Haven, man. Let him cook down there. Because um, uh, I think center is going to be – is a sneaky need for this team. I know you look at it right now and you're like, we got Steven Adams there, but we don't know how that situation plays out. He's a free agent at the end of next year. And what, what are you doing – at that point, are you, are you going to resign him or is he a guy that you're just going to move at the deadline or are you just going to let him walk? Who knows what's going to happen? But I think down the line, I think center is a position of need for this team that people don't really, really talk about when you're projecting forward and could get, got a young kid here, man, that could, could develop in something to something for you, man, down in South Haven. So I, I definitely like what I saw. Um, I was kind of surprised too when you picked it, when you, when you picked him, because I was like, man, I, I've seen his name, but I haven't really looked at it. Uh, and then I kind of looked at some of the stuff on him. I saw Barlow. Uh, video. I think he actually said that he felt like he could be a lottery pick, not yeah. just first round. Uh, so I mean, he, again, I mean, you see a lot of a lot of stuff that you like on on film. I mean, just young, super raw man, but like a mold of clay. You can a lot to work with, a lot to mold there, man. I, I like what I saw on film. I dug and dug and dug trying to find. A yeah, you can't find on, much on his, on his uh, vertical because if you watch him on the floor at six ten, six eleven, he I can get off the floor. Either. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I'm but it's obviously it, it's I would fast. Guess you can it's see plus. It. Yeah, yeah. But you know, he he. I just I like the size and the athleticism from him. I like the fact that even though his game is still raw because he's only been playing for so long, there's so much that he does at a high level already. You can't help but wonder. Okay, what is his ceiling going to be? What is he going to be able to do? I mentioned Sergi Baca, but I may I may be cutting him short, honestly, but because I, I just it always intrigues me. We we talked about last year, um oh, who was a big man from Texas that hadn't been playing very long. I can't think of his name. Oh uh, yeah, man, I can see, I know I know what you're talking about. I can't remember his name. It just it just the, he got he drafted probably, by the Hornets. Um, yeah. But you know, he he was another guy that was young that hadn't been playing the game very long. 
and you could see him growing by leaps and bounds based off of who he had around him. And so that that is that's something that the Grizzlies are in a position where if they if this is a guy that's there in the second round because of his athleticism, because of his size, and because of that just pure rawness, they could go and get him and develop him into something that could be a huge piece for this team in the future. And Ka- Kai Jones is the, the guy yeah, that yeah, we're yeah, missing that, out of Texas. It. Yeah, I knew I, I was like, I know I knew where he got drafted. <laughs> I knew where he got drafted, but I could not pull his name, man. It was there until I started talking about it, and then poof, gone. But yeah, so this is a this is a guy that uh, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on and see what happens. Also, when you know if he gets drafted second round, and uh, and they're going to send him to the G League, I wonder if he's going to come over if he would stay. Uh, there's questions with that as well. So, you know, it, it's when we're jumping into these prospects like this, a lot of times we'll, we'll jump down. I know we we covered a ton last year. We covered a lot of guys that even didn't end up getting drafted. So. You know, we're going to you're going to hear some guys that are more than likely going to get drafted and then some guys that may not get drafted. But he's one based off of what you see on film. I think that a team is going to get a steal if they get him even late first or into that second round. Yeah. And an interesting point that you brought up on whether if he just does get drafted, does, does, does he come over and go to the G League? That ACB League in Spain is one of the best in the world outside of the NBA. So that's very very good competition, so it might even benefit him more kind of staying in that league um, and, and playing over there uh, because I think that experience might even be better than the G League because I think it's it's, it's high level, uh, but that's about high as you can get in Europe, so he, he's playing against good competition over there. Yeah, I just, you know, with the, the low minutes over there, I, I wonder if his development wouldn't be better in the G League because you could probably yeah, get that's some a good point. That's a good um, point. You know, it, it's kind of you never know. In a situation like that, you don't know what guys are going to do. And like Isaac said, you know, when, you, when you're digging around, when you're looking to find stuff to read about him, it's hard to find stuff. There's not a ton out there. So the, there's not been any indication that if he got drafted second round that he wouldn't come over. But we'll see what happens with it. So we'll move on from him. Uh, Isaac, we'll go to your guy next, Jalen Williams out of yes. Santa Clara. Yeah, Santa Clara, West, West Coast Conference. You know how I love those uh, West Coast Conference guys. I mean, no. great, great competition out there. You know, when we're talking about Chet Holmgren, I always talk about all these great guys he's playing against. And this here's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. He really just said he loves the West Coast Conference. What? I like Jalen Williams. I don't like the West Coast Conference. <laughs> it's understandable. No, it is a different position. <laughs> the, uh, the guard play is much, much different than the big play. So, it's understandable. What do you? Hey, like I knew you were gonna give me. A, I was gonna say I knew you were gonna give me a little little ribbon on that one, but oh, I, man. I got to man, got to. <laughs> but but I, I think Jalen Williams is a prospect I've fallen in love with. I mean, I think I've talked about my guys that I like there at twenty two for the Grizzlies that I kind of put out a list of uh, Nikola Jovic, uh, Jaden Hardy, Wendell Moore, kind of the top three. But I think Jalen Williams surpasses those guys. I think if Jalen Williams, which you got to look at uh, Tankathon. He's down there at 30, but I think most mocks have him up top 15, top 18 now. I mean, he's a guy that really shot up boards uh, in, at the combine, that, that some good measurements, I think, played well at, at the combine, did some really good stuff out there. I mean, he's shot up boards. I think I've seen him as high as 13, 14, 15 uh, on some of these mocks now, but 6'6", 209, 7'2", uh, wingspan, junior small forward out of Santa Clara, 21 years old, so a bit of an older guy coming in. Some experience, man. You look at the numbers, 18 points a game, 
4.4 rebounds, 4.2 assists, uh, 1.2 steals, 80.9% from the free throw line, 51.3 field goal percentage, 39.6 three-point percentage. Just that's 1.3 makes on 3.2 attempts per game and 42 of 106 overall. So you look at that stat line, and it shows you right there, man. He's a stat sheet filler. I mean, he does a lot, a lot of, a lot of things for you. Kind of reminds you of of Kyle Anderson here with the Grizzlies, but I think Jay Williams is a better scorer, definitely, than Kyle Anderson. But uh, I mean, he's super dynamic uh, with the ball in his hands. I think that's even more than, than some of the other things. That's what I like about him the most. The play, playmaking ability is off the charts for a non-point guard. I mean, average 4.2 assists per game. Really good pick-and-roll passes. Does a good job of, of hitting the roll man, going to the basket. Uh, clean, just pinpoint passes, man. You see some of those passes where he zips them in between traffic, man. Just does a fantastic job for, for a guy that's 6'6", man. You talk about secondary ball handling, man. I think he, he's a guy that can definitely fill that role for you. Uh, he's a guy that you can potentially play next to Jaw to kind of get him off the ball some, to kind of give him a rest, or even in those bench lineups, kind of what we saw like with Kyle Anderson. Uh, a really, really good pull-up jump shooter uh, from the mid-range out to the three-point line, again, where he shot 39, 39.6%. Um, also has a floater uh, that he goes to a lot, a, a little bit inside a little bit inside the free throw line, which we know really plays well on this Grizzlies team. We had a lot of a lot of guys that kind of use that floater on this team. Uh, really does a good job of finishing through contact, and when he gets to the free throw line, shoots 81% there. Uh, really deliberate uh, when going to the basket and really crafty with his dribble um, as he's able to kind of evade defenders and get to the basket. Uh, makes tough shots out to the perimeter. You'll see a lot of threes, especially with defenders right in his face. I mean, he's able to knock them down. Man, has a step-back three in his bag as well. Uh, plays even bigger uh, than he is due to his 7-2 wingspan. So definitely some some defensive first ability. Uh, I think he'll be able to guard multiple positions. Uh, has really long arms that helps him get about, get, get in his passing lanes and get steals. Um, he's able to cover a lot of ground um, as a help defender. Uh, gets a lot of blocks of, of jump shots, which is something that you don't usually see. I mean, we saw Jerry get a couple of those this year. But, I mean, you watch this film, you'll see a lot of mid-range and even three-point uh, jump shots that he's blocking. Uh, and also gets a lot of blocks from behind uh, because of that length. Uh, a couple more things offensively, man. Shot 48.4% on, on three from catch and shoot looks uh, out of the half court. And just a almost picture perfect uh, shooting motion on his shot. Really, really, really high release. And it looks looks smooth. I think if things that he needs to work on, there are times where he seems to get caught off balance defensively and guys will get by him to the rim. Um, you can get him to leave his feet sometime on pump fakes and he'll pick up some some bad fouls. Uh, when teams run multiple actions, uh, he sometimes get, gets turned around and loses his man. Uh, the biggest knock on him defensively, I think, is probably one versus one in the post. Uh, he's not very physical uh, with his, his post defense. Uh, and if you notice in ISO situations, he always goes left. Uh, you, you really never see him go right, go right on ISO situations offensively. So that's something that he definitely needs to work on because NBA defense is going to set on that. Um, and, and, and as I say, none of these prospects are perfect. I mean, there's going to always be it's, it's some questions about their game, but I think overall, man, out of all the people, players that we broke down, I think he might be my favorite. I mean, I just think he can do so many things for you, man. Just a good rebounder, good playmaker. He can knock down three. He can knock down a mid-range. He's a three-level scorer. He can just pretty much do it all. Uh, so I kind of see why he's jumping up draft boards because I think if you look at some of those guys in the lottery, I don't see any difference between them and Jalen Williams. I think talent-wise and potential-wise, I think, He's right there with those guys. So I'd be shocked if he's there at 22. I think if the Grizzlies want him, he's a guy that you probably got to move up a little bit to get, man. But again, I've fallen in love with him. And he's probably, I'm not even going to say realistic target because I don't think he's going to be there at 22. 
But of those targets, I think he's moved over Nikola Jovich, Jaden Hardy, and one of the more for me that they're 22. If he's there at 22, man, I'm running and turning that card in, man, and, and making sure nobody's coming behind me to try to take it because I think he he's a guy, man, I think fits everything this team does. The MO, this front office, what they like, what they like in a player, man, I think he's it. I mean, I, I just love what I saw from him. I'm surprised to hear you say that he jumped over Jovic for you. Yeah, man, he, he, he jumped he, over Jovic. He, uh, because I, mean, I think I think it's the I think the defense uh, difference between him and Jovic. They're both really good playmakers, but I, and, uh, you like the size of Jovic at six eleven. But I think the defense uh, for for him, and I think even more more efficient three point shooting, I think is what kind of puts him over Jovic for me. Yeah, I think uh, seven foot two inch wingspan. I think yeah, I saw love that. like that. That is that's nuts from from a wing. You know, he gets into the NBA and he puts a little more weight on. You know, he, he's quick enough. He can guard. He can shift over and be disruptive on a point guard. He can definitely guard a two or three. And, you know, as he puts on a little more muscle in the league, I, I think that in a small ball situation, because of that length, he's not going to hurt you trying to guard a four. Um, I had three-level scoring. I loved his ability to, you know, playmake for other people. I like that he can pass with either hand. That's something we've talked yeah. about a lot of guys that are dominant. You know, you talked about him him going left in ISO situations. Um, you know, that that's something that he has to work on. But I don't think it's because of an inability to to finish right hand. I think it's a comfort level thing for him. Um because if you watch, you were talking about those, like the pick and roll passes, you can see some of those pocket passes where he's throwing a bounce pass. Yeah, I mean, or right-handed, and it's on point. Like, on it, point, it's right man. there. It catches a guy in stride. The guy gets it and can finish pretty easily. So, yeah, he, he is a guy that's uh, – he's climbed up the boards, and and it's nuts right now. When, when I think Tankathon, I, I don't feel like they update their big – Yeah, they don't update regularly, no. Um, you know, he, he's a guy like on Tankathon right now. He's down around 30. He's at 30. He's um, at 30. He's at 30 right now. Last pick of the first round. But and I'll say 10. On the, I'll say on the mock draft on the big yeah. board, he's at 30. Oh, okay. I wasn't the, yeah, I, I don't have their mock draft up. But, um, you know, 37 on their big board. And then ESPN, I think he's, uh, I don't know, he's 21. So he's moved up their board a little bit. I saw, uh, I saw one mock. I can't remember what it was that they had him like going. I, 15 or somewhere, somewhere yes, in there, 14, 15. Who, who, so. I'd have to look at the pit. Yeah, I saw him going somewhere in that, like, 13 to 17 range Yeah, in, in a couple of places. And and that's not, you know, that's not absurd. He has the talent. He has the game. You know, like, you, you just look at age. I wonder if that's not the reason that you don't see him yeah. further up the board. Yeah, 21 years he, old. He's going to be 21. Looks like, yeah, just over 21 on, on – well, he just turned 21 in April. Um so he'll so, be 22 before the season end. So yeah. yeah. So it's uh I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have an issue. I, I think I agree with Isaac in like the athletic ability, the high IQ, the things that he can do on the floor, it fits this front office MO for guys that they, they tend to target. So it wouldn't surprise me if Jalen Williams was the guy that they were looking at. Um be careful when you are looking these guys up. There are two Jalen Williams that are kind of first round and we're actually going to talk about the other Jalen Williams a little bit later on not on this show but I actually I think we're talking about him on our next show we didn't want to confuse you too much he is a big out of Arkansas this Jalen Williams is the guard out of Santa Clara so when you're looking them up make sure that you don't uh, don't confuse the two it's easy to do the spelling is a little bit different but 
yeah, I wonder what Jalen Williams of Santa Clara is J A L E N, and uh, Jalen Williams of Arkansas is J A Y L I N. So, a lot, a lot of good stuff from him, man. I really, any time that a guard is six five or taller, and they have a seven foot man, seven two wingspan, man, man, that is nuts. <laughs> you you have to not care on the defensive end to not at least be a decent defender. Yeah, like that that is to me. That gives you multiple position. You can guard multiple positions because of that wingspan, and so disruptive. I like his grit too, man. There, there were plenty of uh, spots in film where you can see him knocking the ball loose, and then he's diving on, like Marcus Smart, kind of getting after the ball when he knocks yeah. it loose. He's diving on the floor, and, and again, when I, when I'm mentioning players, I'm not necessarily saying that I think that this is who these guys are going I'm, to be. I'm thinking if you're thinking the same person, I'm thinking. Let's see. Yeah, like I, I, I like him. I like him a lot. Um, we'll see. I, I promised myself I would not fall in love with guys in this draft because I don't want to go into the draft on the twenty third, and the Grizzlies take somebody that I wasn't expected and have the letdown that I had last year. Yeah, man, that was on the board because that was that was tough, man. In the moment, man, that was I was I was not happy. Like if uh one one of the guys that follow us, I can't remember his name. I think it's Musty DC, maybe. Uh, is his name on on Twitter? Um, I mean, he called me out like I, I was upset. Yeah, he was watching the whole mock draft video. video. I was like, man, I, I was like, man, oh, what, you, you, what you doing watching that, man? Yeah, man, watch the last year of mock draft 4K. video. It's okay. Okay. Uh, I was not. I was not happy either. <laughs> Neither one of us really have. And you know, it's it's easy in hindsight to be like, ah, you know. But we're only one year into it. We'll see what happens with the other guys that came off the board. You know. Um, it's a Moody didn't get a ton of playing time, but when he did play in Golden State, he was a, he was effective. And then because of the guard situation in Charlotte, um, Book Knight played the majority of his time in the G League for them. So I, I think that you see that change this year. I think that he's going to get more uh, more into the rotation. I would be surprised if he's in the G League again because to me he's got way too much talent to be playing down there. So our last one for tonight is a name that. Uh, if you are a Grizzlies fan and a Tigers fan, you're going to be very familiar with him. And Isaac, I, I've got notes on him, but because you cover the Tigers, I'm actually going to let you lead off and tell us what you think about Josh. And is he he didn't play that many minutes for the Tigers, no. but you see him as a name that's climbing up the draft boards. What did you see from him playing for the Tigers? I know – in the games that I watched, when he was on the floor, he was a positive impact player. He was a guy that made high IQ plays. He was in the right place at the right time a lot, and I don't think that was by accident. Um, I, I love, I like his motor. I like his athletic ability. I think that he has playmaking upside. He can handle the ball well enough to create for himself. But you tell us, because you are the Tigers guy, what did you like about Mano? Not, uh, yeah, sorry. yeah, Josh, Josh, Josh might not, yeah, might not. Six, eight, six, I, eight, I'm butchering. yeah, six, eight, two, oh, five combo forward out of Memphis. Uh, 20 years old, as you said, man, you look at the numbers, and I mean, you throw you can pretty much throw them out the window, man. 6.6 points a game, 3.8 rebounds, uh, close to assists, a steal on a block a game, 75.4 uh, free throw percentage, 52.2 percent from the field, uh, only 14.3 uh, percent from three, but only shot. 14 of them went two for 14 but uh if, if you look at his comeback video I mean, he was cooking i mean he was knocking down threes i don't, I don't know even if i even saw him miss one 
Uh, but as you said, man, kid, a lot of people were surprised that he entered the draft uh, when, when he made that decision. Uh, when he entered the transfer portal, and you kind of thought he was just going to move on to another school. And he went to the went in the draft process, and even then, a lot of people thought, oh, well, he's going to end up going back to college, just going to a different school possibly. Uh, but, man, he got into the draft proce- uh, process, and a lot of people were impressed. Um, but like I said, you aren't really drafting him due to his production at Memphis. Uh, you look at the numbers, and nothing really stands out to you. Um, and he, but he only averaged 14.6 minutes per game, and even that, um, I think, is skewed a little bit because in some games he barely played, if at all. Um, it, it's all about the potential with him. But as David said, you see some instincts and some good things there. First thing that stands off out is elite, elite athlete. I mean, just uh, his bounce is otherworldly. I mean, Bugger Rim doesn't even categorize it. I mean, he's doing dunk contest type dunks in game. Uh, super high motor. Um, he's at his best when he's in transition. 24% of his offense came in the open floor um, on finishes at the rim. Uh, when they're not in transition, I mean, he can get to the rim um, in one bounce. I mean, you see a lot of times where he gets that pass, takes one bounce, boom, he's exploded to the rim before the defender can even really figure out what's going on. Um, obviously, uh, a really good cutter, uh, moves well without the basketball. Um, obviously, a big-time lob threat. Uh, catch and finish uh, on, on the roll, you see a lot of that. Uh, major, major multiple positional defensive upside for him. Four stocks for 40, 40 minutes. Uh, if you don't know what that is, that's a combined average of steals and blocks. Uh, uses his link well to get in passing lanes. Big-time shot blocker. Uh, really good recovery skills. Uh, he can get back on the play and block shots from behind. Closes out well on shooters um, as he's able to cover a lot of ground, like I said, because of that length and athleticism. Um, he's a guy who I think could potentially develop into a guy that could guard one through five on the NBA level. Um, I, I really do believe he has that type of potential, active hands. I mean, he just has all the defensive tools that you want to want to see from a guy. I mean, he's just he just has to put it together. I think he's a guy that's still kind of filling out his body, kind of filling out, even though he's a little bit older, I think he's still still raw. I mean, I think he's still developing. Uh, but if you're a team that has the time to develop a guy like the Memphis Grizzlies, I think you, you can take him, man, and sit him down, and you might have a big-time player on your hands a couple years. I mean, you talk about his rebound, and really rebounds well, 10.3 boards for 40 minutes, uh, high points to basketball well. I mean, he has a knack to uh, have the, the knowing where the ball comes out the rim. I mean, you'll see him a lot of times get these tips where he's tipping them back to himself, tipping it up, tipping it back in the basket. Uh, you'll see a lot of that. I think improvements for him, uh, shooting is obviously was, was an issue. Uh, was 2 of 15 on catch and shoot jumpers. Uh, only 14.3% from three. Only attempted 14, like I said, but made, only made two. Uh, really doesn't do anything for the mid-range. You really never saw him really taking it in a mid-range jumper. Uh, but, again, man, you watch him at the combine, it's like it's something that he's worked on, and he was knocking them down there. I mean, I know it's different than in, in, a, in a workout session, knocking down shots and knocking them down in the game, but I think he has a work ethic to kind of kind of get to get in there and improve that. Um, uh, I think turnovers are what were an issue. I think uh, his turnover rate for his usage was, was pretty high. I mean, that's something that he has to work on. And another thing that I noticed watching him throughout the year is he, he's super emotional. Um, and I think that can be a good thing. It, it can sometimes be a detriment. And I think it was to his detriment at times. He gets in his head. You will see him talking to himself. And if he gets a foul, he gets upset. And sometimes it affects his body language. And when he gets on the other end, he gets super in his head. Like, he's super emotional. He wants to – you can tell that he wants to be good so bad. Anytime he makes a mistake, he's really, really down on himself and it can affect his play going forward. Um, and that's something that definitely you get in the NBA, you want to work on that, man. But a lot, a lot of tools. I mean, elite athleticism that you can't teach. 
um, and, and that size, that length, again, I think first kill that you guard one through five, I mean, those are the kind of guys that you need in the modern NBA. Um, just got to continue to work on his offense. But if he ever puts it together, it, it's crazy to say, man, probably where he's going to get picked, but he could end up being one of the better players out of this draft. Like I, we talk about Desmond Bain, he, he went 30. I mean, you redraft, he's going easily in the, in, the, in the top five, top eight of that draft. And I think you could look two, three years down the line and Josh Minot could be a steal for, for probably where he's going to be drafted. Yeah, you know, we, we discussed the stats. You talked about the two for 14 from three. I, I don't – I look at the free throw percentage, right? 75% from the free throw line. Yeah. And it, not that that is always 100% accurate, but if a guy has a stroke to shoot a decent percentage from the free throw line, you think that they can probably extend that out. And you go back and you watch him shooting, and I had it up, and I don't know why in the world I, I done this last time that we were here too. I closed it, but you know he he was the guy that was lighting it up, and when at the combine shooting the ball, so that was a that was a big concern. Was two for fourteen? That's not many attempts. Is that because he can't do it, or because of his ability to get to the rim that he just didn't do it? So I, I think that he can. I think it's there. I think it's in him. Um, I think that he needs to improve his handle. That That's one thing for me. Like you watch him bringing the ball up and down the floor for the Tigers. They're, they're, I think that's where some of those turnovers come in is like he just kind of dribbled the ball a little bit too high and, and guards with quicker hands are going to be able to strip him. Um, but because of the frame, I think that you take a shot on a kid like this because – that the frame, the athleticism, and the fact that he, you know, defensively, he puts himself in the right spot a ton. How much of the questions that are coming in on this kid are because of the level of talent that Penny Hardaway was able to recruit to the Tigers this last season? And, you know, you, you talk about Amani Bates, like he was the number one kid in his class. And, you know, uh, Hardaway, with Penny was able to get him to Memphis, Jalen Duran was another top recruit in that class. Hardaway's able to get him to Memphis. And so the names around around him coming in kind of overshadow him a little bit. But I think that he has just as much upside out of anybody that was coming out of that team. Yeah, I don't think there's any any question about that. Um, and, and a couple more notes. Uh, during the season at Memphis, when on his jump shot, it looked his form wasn't great on, on, on shooting threes, but watching that combine video, it, it looks different. I mean, it looks like he's worked on it. It looks a lot smoother than he did when he took those threes at Memphis. And you talk about that playing time. I mean, it, it's tough for a kid, uh, especially a, a young kid, a freshman coming in that's playing sporadic minutes. Like there were times in the season where he was all the way in the rotation. There were times where he was all the way out. There were times where he would only play spot minutes. And that, that's tough, man, being a, a freshman coming in on a super talented team and just night in and night out, not knowing when you're going to play, when you're going to get your minutes, or are you going to start? Because I might think he even started some games. I mean, it's just super erratic for him throughout the year. Um, and I think that's kind of one of the reasons why he decided to to move on, man. He's taking a chance on himself and looks like it's going to pay off. Because I think there's even a possibility that he gets taken at the bottom of the first round. And when this thing started off, he wasn't even on boards at, at one point. So, um, I mean, he's, again, man, upside, upside, upside with him. And if you're looking for upside play, he's one of the best in his draft. Yeah, yeah. I think that you look at teams that are in a position where they don't have to 
hit a home run. Like they don't have to have a guy right out of the bat coming into this draft that's going to come in and compete for rotation minutes, be effective day one. And there's a number, there's a number of those teams that you can look at and he would be a great fit. He'd be a guy, you know, you're looking late in this first round, the, the San Antonio Spurs at 20, um, that's, they don't necessarily have to have to, uh, have to have a wing that comes in and produces day one, the nuggets at 21, the Grizzlies got two picks in the twenties. The 76ers are another team that, that have that depth. Maybe they need a little more production right off the bat, but, uh, Milwaukee is a team that could take a chance on him. Um, 26, the, the Dallas Mavericks, um, that they need a little bit of depth, but I, I think at that point in the draft that they're not going to be looking at a guy that can uh, come in and, and compete year one. Uh, Miami, I think that Miami would be an interesting fit for him because of their ability to develop talent. I think that that would be somewhere late in the first round that would be a fantastic fit for him outside of Memphis. Obviously, wouldn't mind keeping him uh, keeping him here in Memphis, but uh, it, it is what it is. That's what's going to have to watch and see how it plays out. We've said on multiple occasions we don't expect Memphis to make all three of their picks in this draft. We expect them to, you know, package them up, move, make a, you know, either move up, move out of this draft, get future assets, something of that nature. We're getting closer, 18 days away from the draft. We will wrap this episode up. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Isaac, I'm wrapping it up, and I didn't even ask you, man, you got anything else before we get out of here on these guys? No, man, I mean, it's just, like I said, man, 18 days uh, before the draft, man, it's coming coming quickly. Um, it's going to be here before we know it, man. And, again, man, I love this time of year, man. I love jumping on here with David and discussing these draft prospects, man. It's one of my favorite times of the year, breaking these guys down. And a lot of times, like you said, man, watching film, you learn a lot of new things about these guys. Like some of these guys, being a, I mean, a guy that, that with rivals that watches a lot of college basketball, I feel like I have a kind, of, kind of a good read on these guys. And I'll start looking at film and be like, man, He's better than I thought, or he's not as good as I thought in certain aspects. So that's what I really love about that, man. I love breaking down film and watching these guys, man. So it's super fun, man. And we get them, and we try. We're gonna try to get most of these guys in. I think last year we probably got probably seventy guys in, man. We probably talked about probably 10, 10, 10 or so guys that didn't even get drafted. Uh, so we're gonna try to do that again here. We might not quite make it to seventy, but we're gonna try to get there. Yeah, for sure, man. I think that the biggest thing for me that I've taken is when. I'm watching a specific player. If you're just watching a college basketball game, there are going to be other guys on the team. So if you're watching the Tigers this year, when Amani was healthy, he he was a guy that you were keeping an eye on. Jalen Duran and what he was bringing to the floor, he was a guy that you were keeping an eye on. There were a number of different guys on that Tiger team that you were watching that, you know, Minot was just not a guy. Not that, you know, when he was in there, not that you were not watching him, but you were not focusing on him necessarily. And when, when you get into this prospect breakdown, man, you're, you're focusing on what these guys are doing off the ball, what they're doing on the defensive end, and, and it allows you to lock in on that player and see some things that you wouldn't catch in a live game because you were looking at other guys. So I, I love that about this. Help me, it's helped me grow as you know somebody that's watching the games and doing this podcast. So I, I love that for sure. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, definitely. Um, I think, uh, again, man, you learn a lot about these players. And, uh, again, man, I, I love to kind of – when we talk about these players and, and you look forward as they progress and you kind of remember kind of what our thoughts were on them a couple of years ago, I like to follow these guys. Like a lot of guys that you, I probably normally wouldn't have super interest in, I become interested in them because 
you break them down and you kind of have thoughts on what they're going to be and what they're going to do with it. It helps you to kind of watch those guys long term and see if they pan out or they don't pan out. You see a, a guy like Bones Highland last year is a guy that yeah. both of us were high on. Yeah. And he gets the opportunity. Denver is not a team that generally plays young guys, but because of injuries, he got an opportunity and he earned his minutes. And so it's, you know, th- there's going to be guys that, that you miss on. Um, you know, I was high on, um, on a couple guys last year that just, man, didn't, didn't ever make any type of rotation minutes or nothing. And that's not to say that they're done. There's still plenty of time. They're young enough. They can make their way into the league. But, you know, you're going to hit some, you're going to miss some, but you definitely develop an attachment to uh, to certain players in the draft and will follow them. Jay Scrub is a guy that uh, he's with the Clippers organization. Yeah, that we both like. He, he saw some time and a little bit of rotation minutes because of the injuries out there. Not a ton, but I, I will follow him wherever he goes, and I hope to see him succeed. So we appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll be back with another show tomorrow for more prospects. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at David W2111. Candace has not been with us in a while, but she will be back as we get closer to the draft. If the Grizzlies make any trades, we will have her on to discuss the trades and the implications. But she is up and running with her Seahawks coverage. So go over and check them out. They are at Ethos Seahawks. She is at Candace H901. Isaac's going to let you know where you can find him and get us out of here. Yeah, man, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals, I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. Again, we'll be back tomorrow with four more prospects, man. Fast and furious, man. Rest to the finish, man. We're going to get as many prospects in as we can for you, man, get you familiar with these guys. So you'll be watching the draft and hopefully informed all the way down to to, to 60 and 50. We're going to try to do that for you at Eco Griffin. So make sure you keep it locked right here. And until tomorrow, we go.